Welcome to a special episode of Smuggling Hope. This is the audio recording of an interview I did with the Rich Dawn podcast and host Kyle Dean. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to the Rich Dawn, where eternal beatitude begins in this life. I'm Kyle Dean, and today I have with me Dan Lawson, a local community leader in the Buffalo, New York region, a loving husband, a dedicated father to seven beautiful and well-behaved children, and a Catholic counselor that has touched many hearts in our area. Dan, it's really great to have you on today. Well, thanks for having me. Appreciate it, Kyle. Yeah, absolutely. How are you? What's been new? Uh, not much. I, I, I guess like I feel like that it's uh, it's been a season uh, to bring hope to a lot of people and uh, really uh, to you know step up my involvement with uh, uh, to take responsibility, I guess, for the things I know about, I guess, in, in my field and to make a difference where I can in the community. And uh, obviously, like for people individually and their families, and then obviously for the people throughout our, you know, our diocese. You know, I mean, they're in Buffalo, right? So right. Buffalo is a unique place, I think. It really is. And obviously, you've been doing that in a very concrete way by launching a new podcast called Smuggling Hope. It's available on Spotify and other uh, platforms. Yeah. And I got to say, man, I've been tuned into the first few episodes. I'm hooked. My wife is hooked. We've learned a lot already. And it really is tremendous how you're sharing of your gift of Catholic counsel to the community. Yeah, I appreciate that. It's it's funny. Like, I've been, I've been doing a lot of work over the last couple of years in different institutions and it kind of came about kind of organically that, um, you know, the, the, that's what I started to actually say in, in training people, other professionals, is that that was my goal in coming to organizations and different uh, institutions was to smuggle hope into them. And if you think about it, like a lot of people, they don't perceive Christ, you know, when you do it in a you know, subdued way by exposing people to the truth or to goodness or to a perspective that is intensely, uh, you know, faith-based, but, but they don't understand it. So in some ways, like people were experiencing the love of God, or at least I hope they were, the concepts that I'm, you know, trying to illustrate that are like very Catholic, but they're not uh, overt all the time. People think that uh, we're going to hand out rosaries everywhere or something, or going to be telling people to be reciting something in Latin, but... Uh, you know, ironically, these the stuff that we do is uh, is is very very helpful. Obviously, you know, but the Catholic Church has a genius to a lot of things, and it, it, even even in science and and mental health, right? right. So it just you know, I felt like there's something that I could do to present to the community, something that I could do now, because people have been encouraging me to communicate and talk about certain things for a while. So I figured, what the heck, uh, we'll yes. see what happens. So. Praise yeah. God. Praise yeah. God. Yeah. And and you've been you've been at, you know, Catholic counseling for over 15 years is my understanding and sure. I personally know of dozen over a dozen families that have been personally touched by your work. It's extremely effective. And and people can go to your what's your Catholic counseling website? Uh, my my practice is called Catholic Therapy Solutions. And uh, but so if people wanted to get in touch with me or they needed something, that's the that's the way that I do professional service or train or diff different things goes through that business and through right. the, the private practice. Yeah. And I've been on, and I've been, is it Catholic therapy solutions.com? Yeah. yeah. I've been on the website and there you describe, you know, your, your methodologies. And one of them you're touching on right now, it's that positive affirmation. It's finding, you know, things can't be negative all the time, as you mentioned in your yeah. podcast. And so you want to kind of maximize those aspects of your life that are going well. 
Yeah. Right? Yeah, I mean, nobody nobody's doing a problem perfectly 24-7. No, no, no problems happening 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So we really, like, want to start to study what's right with people, communities, families. And when you start to change what you focus on, what you focus on changes. And so, like, mm. it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a shift. And a lot of times people think that, like, well, like, what, what makes something, like, a Catholic counseling thing is cause it's very odd because there's a lot of people, like, you know, one of the guys who who trained me years ago, he ran a, a, another uh, outfit out in uh, Chicago, and people used to call all the time, and they would call for Christian counselors, and he would be like, you know, when when people would ask for Christian counselors, he would answer the phone and be like, "Nope, sorry, all we got is devil worshippers, right?" And he would because <laughs> no! it's so so it's so well. That's he, not even funny. Like, well, it's, well, now it's definitely not funny, but <laughs> but he he would be very passive aggressive about this because people were like. There, there's a very hard, uh, I guess, a very difficult time people have integrating their faith with their professional life. Mm. You figure, like, in my field in, in psychotherapy or in psychological sciences, about 75% of the people seeking services, right, the, the clients, so to speak, or the patients, 75% of them want to talk about their spiritual life, want to talk about their religious beliefs and the way that they, uh, in, you know, just their, 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 um, uh, their view of the world, their worldview. Sure. But, how um, that influences their day to day. Yeah. But the, 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 the practitioners on average, about only 30% of them want to do it. So there's a real disconnect. Hmm. Um, but again, like, uh, again, when I think about the, the, the faith is we're really trying to, to see what it is that, uh, and study what is good and true and beautiful in people like those, those, uh, those, uh, organic, you know things that people can encounter right right um that are there regardless of whether or not people have subscribed to jesus christ or that they've engaged in the catholic faith or understand the teachings but they can they can stumble upon these things in their own life and and, and they can see them even if they're you know uh, atheist even if they're kind of agnostic but it invites people into a conversation invites people uh, you know to uh, greater spiritual understanding because then they can you know, uh, move away from, you know, some of the things that are, are troublesome, but, uh, yeah. And, and there's so much to be said for how we've gotten here just as a, as a, you know, community, right. That's one of the themes of this show. Yeah. Um, modern psychology, modern mental health has really taken a turn for secularization, modernism, and all of all that, that infects. And when you have the fundamental first principles that define mental health, you know, erroneous out the gate we're in trouble and so that's probably why i mean that's a big piece of why you have so many people that are yearning for that they're thirsting for that starving for it and it's just incredible that that you're able to provide that for people i'd like to see more of that in the community well i mean i and, and i i'd love to see more of it too so if people are listening to this or watching this at some point and they're in a program for mental health or psychological work or uh, they're clinicians of some sort and they want to contact me, they can obviously go to that website, Catholic Therapy Solutions, and, you know, have a conversation about, like, figuring out how to create network, whether it's here or across the the, the U.S., because people are, well, I didn't they want that. I didn't realize you were connected in that way as well. That's fantastic. Well, well That's the good news that. right there, folks. Yeah. yeah. So, but if people want to, like, work together or collaborate, like, we want to... You know, I'm in, I'm in the business of, the, the way I view things is I have to train my replacements, right? So whatever it is, I'm going to learn from whoever I work with, whether it's somebody that's been in the field for a while or is new to the field, I'm going to learn something and they're going to learn something. But I always want, uh, you know, again, like there, there needs to be somebody that is going to continue 
with this type of work. Um, because like you said, a lot of the, the formation of the sciences has put people as their own God, right? So now all of a sudden we describe whatever it is that's true. And so it's all error prone. And we know what we're seeing is, is this not giving people uh, in many ways like the results? There's a, a flavor of apathy you know, in, in the field. So much of that goes back to Cartesian skepticism. You know, he's considered, Descartes considered the father of modern philosophy, and he really radically internalized our outlook on life to the self. Whereas before him with St. Augustine and others in, in the Platonic tradition, you know, there was really just this, this focus on the transcendent and conforming oneself to that, that all good, you know, other. Yeah. And and that has a radical impact on your relationships with people. It has an impact on your ability to trust, right? And, and trust but verify, you know, but to be able to give people the benefit of the doubt for all of the good that is out there. Yeah. Well, and there is a lot of good, but more and more people are apparently afraid of one another, you know, and even distrusting of their medical and psychological providers, apparently, especially after like these experiences in the last couple of years with COVID and massive amounts of different levels of confusion that exceed probably the, the, what we want to talk about here. Yeah, right? yeah. no doubt. Well, well, one thing I can bring up, uh, as you know, uh, I, I've been in the field of, of healing and deliverance for the better part of a decade now. So we have some some carryover with, yeah. with your clientele and, and people that are looking for those kinds of solutions. And especially since COVID hit, there there was just so much. It was almost like a mass trauma event for everybody being holed up at home and yeah. not knowing what to expect next. But being able to realize that there is that spiritual component to the soul body composite, right? And you know, like you said, people may not trust their their even their diagnosis uh, if there isn't a holistic approach to the self in that regard that takes into account the ordinary and even extraordinary forms of diabolic influence that could be out there, which, you know, the latest experts in the field say affects, you know, depending on oppression, obsession, et cetera, it could affect up to one in four people in our country. Well, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, you, know, you look at the way that the system is designed right now. So, well, we'll just look at education, right? So people for the most part, at least for the last, I don't know, 140 years have been have been more and more educated and informed to be a consumer right and so if we with people yeah, the audience industrial here, revolution yeah so like you go to good you go go to school to get good grades you get good grades so that you can get into maybe a good college you get into a good college so you can get a good job so you can buy stuff <laughs> i mean like that's the whole end result of all education for the most part has nothing to do with thinking it has to do with being a consumer and if you're a consumer, well, then why wouldn't it be easier for you to be sucked into any number of distractions or things that invite you into, uh, you know, darkness in one form or another? Because, Idolatry. Yeah. There is like, a, we have like four levels of fulfillment of the human person. And what right now our educational system or our culture really only gives us like two answers to that, right? We have, uh, I guess we call it like basic needs. If you think about like people are familiar with Maslow, but like sure. the, these survival based needs, right? You know, I, you know, I have like the ability to survive. I got water, I've got food, I've got clothing. And Almost we at can the id level. Exactly. Instinctual. And then the second one is agency like needs, meaning like I can take a vacation now because I make more money or I can buy a nicer house or I can buy another car. But that's where it stops because again, you're a consumer, right? So that's it. Now, there's the other two levels in fulfillment of a human being are relational fulfillment, right? 
So if you look at like, I don't know, the way that the school systems go, in general, like schools have been, uh, they, they just really are unable to really understand like how to create relationships, right? It's all about competition. Even for the educators now, they have to, you know, hit certain marks in order to make sure that they keep their job. So there's, you know, how do they have Business relationships? Business model. Yeah, and, and they cannot parent the students or hold discipline over students. And they can't give them a relationship to reality because that's too aggressive. You know, because there's no objective reality. Everything is whatever you want it to be. So how can you teach Hugh in unreality? Again. Yeah, so how can you teach I in unreality? I think therefore I am. Yeah, Koji well, Tolergo soon. Well, I like to say to Gustin who said, I, I'm screwed up and that's why I know I'm real. <laughs> I forget how we said it in Latin, but that's how he, I like that. That's how he starts, I think. Like, that's me in a nutshell. I, I, I error and that's how I know I exist. And because I think that that's, you know, when we're wrong, I think that's one of the, the innate human components, right? This perpetual dependency on God because we're all screwed up. You know, if we pay attention, right, if we're honest. But, yeah, so we've got these, these, this relational fulfillment that's not being addressed. People don't know how to have marriages. People don't know how to have friendships, right? This is the loneliest society, I think, in the history, although everybody's hyper-connected, right? People got sure. 50,000 friends in Texas and Japan, and, but nobody has anybody to help them move to a new apartment. Or nobody has people to hang out with and have coffee. So, and then the other dimension is spiritual fulfillment, which is the biggest crux, which has to do with meaning. What's the point? And so we, we can't agree on that. There is no, um, uh, the, the, the idea of Christianity or Christendom, like the way it used to be, has been removed, right? Of course. And now we've gone after just human reason, right? It wasn't enough to get rid of religious institutions or the person of Christ. Now it's that reason is under attack and people are just generating We're into insanity. We're in a post-reason society. Well, yeah, and that's, that, that's, that's barbarism, you know, at its finest. It's just, we're just much more, we walk upright though. We wear nice, nice clothes. We have nice cars, but we're barbaric. We're, we're losing our humanity. So again, like I, I feel like the, the, the we, we, those four levels of fulfillment. We all, we're only at two, and we're stuck. We're stuck, and people are not. Um, you know, it's almost as if they've been cut off from their humanity. You know, you know. But it sounds like that relational and that spiritual component is something that you're you're focusing on helping people with. Uh, I've noticed as I tune into Smuggling Hope. You mentioned uh, a platform, heartsrenewed.org. Yeah. Yeah. So Hearts Renewed has been like a project that I've been like working on for a number of years. So essentially, like a lot of people, uh, for, for the most part, especially Catholic people, we have like this desire to do things perfectly. And most people in general, like uh, they don't want to talk about or go for marriage counseling. I mean, it takes a high level of courage and it takes a Maybe high humility. level of humility. Yeah. And, and frankly, most people don't want a third person getting involved with their marriage. If they're a Catholic, they, maybe they'll trust a priest. But it's weird. And honestly, like, and I agree with people, like I would say if you do marriage counseling, you don't want that person, you know, involved in your marriage for too long. Because once you bring a third person in to have an understanding of your relationship, things get weird. It, you don't want to have there it. be a dependency. You don't want to have there be... Uh, imbalance between yeah. one or another spouse having their needs fulfilled. Yeah, exactly. And just like the, the triangulation of it, right? Because then all of a sudden people are going to this third person when they need to be turning to each other and to God. Right. And so like, you know, I, I realized that a lot of people would come to counsel and especially like men, men for marriage counseling, it's hard because again, they don't pay attention to a lot of like the domestic communication stuff because as men, we are externally focused, work, protecting our home, you know, protecting our finances, taking care of our children. And so a lot of this stuff, whether we're good at it or not, right. like it just makes people feel more vulnerable. 
And so a guy doesn't want to come in and, and, and show up to whether it's me or somebody else. And, you know, if he can't do it perfectly, he just isn't going to come. He'll come up with a reason, right? Because it's, it's like a, it's pulling over and asking for directions, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So, like, it's it's a weird dynamic. But, the, but obviously, like, we have really good people that just need kind of, you know, and sometimes they just need to be have, like, resources or coaching or some version of that. And there's a lot of good stuff out there. But I just figured, you know, that there are patterns in all of these people's marriages that if I taught people how to use the patterns of success, right, when they fell in love, when they were um, in their honeymoon stage of the relationship, when they were communicating, taught them what they were doing, taught them how to pay attention to that. Well, they could do that together. They don't need me, right? They don't need a therapist, right? A lot of times the therapist is, you know, the interpreter uh, sometimes for this language but, but you can go to a therapist with one problem and come out with six, right? <laughs> and so I'm in the only field that creates the problems or can create the problems that we say we treat. Not because we want to, but because, you know, we just talk well, it's about good for business. Wrong. Well, it, 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 it is good <laughs> for business. But in the other sense is that, uh, again, yeah, turning people into the perfect consumer, right? Exactly. Yeah, so I mean that's that's a whole that's that's a PhD thesis for somebody who wants to do that. <laughs> we got take some time. Out, take take out the diagnostic <laughs> manual. It's just yeah, it should be called the creating the perfect consumer. But I think that I think it'd be interesting uh, to see like DSM three, four, and five side by side and just how many changes have happened. And it's like, have we really evolved that quickly in five decades? Well, well yeah. But I anyway, mean, that's an aside. That is an aside and a half, you know. But I, but I'm just saying like that. But for for people, they want to know, can you help me? And they want to be able to, um, uh, they, they need to have the ability to recognize what they're doing that's working. And so a lot of married people, like they get good at trying to solve their problem, but that means they get good at just problem talk. They talk about their problems and that deadens their ability to connect and communicate. So that program was designed for people to just be able to do the work at home, whether they want to work with me or not, they can do that. But the program is an all encompassing thing. People do it for the time that they think it's helpful. Right. Um, but it really is to give people the keys to, you know, these basic things, these basic skills so that they can, you know, you know, bring themselves back to the people that they wanted to be in their marriage, design the marriage like an architect designs it. And not feel like that marriage is just a series of accidental experiences or, you know, feel like that they are helpless. Because remember, like I, I tell people that come to see me, like the world right now wants people's marriages to fail because they're better consumers. It all goes back to you're a better consumer if you're unhappy. You're going to be a better consumer if you're not relationally fulfilled in your marriage. You're just going to be hungry, hungry to buy more crap on Amazon, hungry to look at stuff you shouldn't online, hungry to go and buy the newest thing that'll make you seem like you're cool because right. you're unhappy. And again, and you take away meaning that there's no point to this. Well, now I'm going to look at pleasure even more intensely. Sure. Nihilism. Gonna, yeah. Nihilism. And then, and so you see the, the, the rate, it's crazy. Like as I was driving here, I see all the, I feel like the, the rate of fancy cars in America has gone up, which seems crazy to me. Like, because sure. we don't live in the wealthiest part of the United States. Along with our, our loans. I yeah, mean, there's well, articles on that right now. Americans are paying more for their car payment than their than a mortgage or rent. Yeah, well, I mean, and it's crazy. And, and uh, they're, they're, I hope they're all electric, man. But uh, <laughs> but it's wild. And then, and, but they're, they're, they're putting all of this effort into these things that will not satisfy those other two levels at all. And um, but every form of marketing is, is trying to convince wives and husbands and children just to depend more on whatever's coming through the television, whatever's coming through their their feed on their phone. 
and, and that's why they call it as the joke was like that's why they call it programming people are like they feel like they need to respond by buying more useless stuff sure and, and um and so again this is um i figured you know try to compile some of this stuff and then you know offer it to married couples so that they have an option right maybe they, their husband or their wife doesn't want to do counseling maybe they feel like they have to do it on their own well then they can do it on their own they can do the program as as one partner in the in the marital relationship and that is enough sometimes just for people to have the confidence to change the dynamic, right? You know, I'm in regular conversation in the community, you know, as minister general of a, of a young adult organization that's under our bishop. And just the other day, I was having a conversation with uh, some wives at a, at a birthday party where, you know, they're struggling with the husband not being as involved or being as connected with his faith. And, and my heart always goes out to scenarios like that, because obviously in, in, in the traditional model, which we know, of course, is under attack in, in, in this you know era of Fatima, where the yeah. final battle will be against the family itself. That's why this is so needed. Um, of course, you know the man is supposed to be the head, but um, how would you say that maybe wives can plug into this to try to get the husband through the door in the first place if that's the dynamic they're struggling with? Well, I think a lot of times, like you know, for, um, for so in general, like husbands. Um, I mean, there's a lot of different things that are probably going going on with it. But I want you to think, like, in general, we participate in things when we have confidence, right? Like, if you if you like soccer, if you feel confident kicking it around, or at least you have some level of confidence, right? Or maybe you're just like, you know, you know, you, you at least have confidence that the people there are going to be nice to you or whatever it is. You're going to participate. But if you have very little confidence, you haven't gotten off the couch in a long time. Like, and people invite you to play soccer, you're going to come up with any level of excuses to go, to say no, to avoid it. Sure. And so what we want to do is we want to figure out how to, in many ways, increase the confidence of other people. So an odd thing, and it's very odd for a lot of times my clients, is I will ask them, because it's really about attention, right? I, I mean, I, I will ask them, I mean, the things that irritate you about your husband, you need to try to start, you know, stop paying attention to him, right? And... Um, and you need to give attention to the things that actually like are reflective of the man that you wanted to be married to. And it's funny, years ago there was a woman and she wrote an article and she's a, she's a animal behaviorist. And the title of the article was, how do you get, you know, you know, how do you train your husband? But she talked about, <laughs> it was fascinating though. Just I learned nag a lot. him till kingdom come, right? No, she actually <laughs> went through, it was brilliant. She went through how you get a, a chimpanzee a chimpanzee to ride a skateboard and she said that like the first thing you do is you take the the, the chimpanzee and you you get a skateboard and obviously you, you the chimpanzee's in its cage and you give it a skateboard and it freaks the heck out and it screams and it grabs the skateboard and bangs it bangs it bangs it plot twist and then, yeah and then eventually the the, the chimpanzee like calms down and yeah. when the chimpanzee calms down you give the chimpanzee a mango piece of mango and you don't give them bananas i guess because chimps like or monkeys they in general have so many associations with that already well i guess they like mango better it's ah. the most it's the most rewarding fruit for a monkey right so and so and so what I they learned do something today yeah thank so, you yeah so what they do with behavioralists for animals is they 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 script out like a movie director would script out the behavior chain of the animal right so the animal approaches the skateboard piece of mango the animal approaches the skateboard and sits on it another piece of mango so the animal learns that these behaviors are favorable now what we do as humans though because we're not 
we're the only storytelling animals. We're not right? just Pavlovian no, BF Skinner. We are not. No. Yeah. Skinner's funny though, man. We we could probably talk about him. He tried to go back to his radical Puritanism like at the end of his life. Good the, for the, him. The, yeah, he's a trip. Find yourself, you know. Yeah. But but so but the, my point about the whole um, you know the, the the human beings are when we want to change stuff we speak in a language and the language when we communicate our needs it sounds like criticism. And, okay. And so, like, what the the, the the spouse communicates. Not that my wife or I have ever done that to each other, but well, I, I'm not gonna. I, I, you know, it's a good thing that you know, hopefully she'll never see this. So, but but I'm just kidding. But yeah, I think like we all have legitimate needs, but when we communicate them, like what the other person hears is a judgment. Because mm -hmm. we're somehow not where they want us to be. You know, how come you didn't take the garbage out is heard by why are, why are you complaining about me? I don't even like take it rationally. And then wives or husbands will say you're too sensitive. You know, husbands say about their wives they're too sensitive. Wives say about their husband they're too sensitive. Which again is another criticism. Sure. So we get a lot of what we hate. And so like when we think about it, like if we think about like uh, the, the wife that you talked about or any of the women that they want their husbands to be more interested in these things. I want you to think we don't know whether or not they're interested or not. In general, like remember, like people are, are designed to be, be fulfilled by God. So they actually want to sacrifice. Men want to sacrifice. They want to, you know, do these masculine things. They might not know how to do it. They might not have seen it by their own fathers. They might not have had a father, right? I mean, I mean, so... But if, if uh, one thing I would suggest is that the women, as they, 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 they think about the, the behaviors that the men are doing that are pleasing, and then try to figure out how to either express appreciation or you know, communicate that these are things that are very favorable. And men can do this with women too. But it's really directing and disciplining your attention away from this other stuff. These like judgment statements. Yeah, because mm -hmm. that's what that's that's the dangerous thing. I mean, like for instance, if if I come home, right? So if I come home and I tell my wife, like uh, today I'll, I'll come home and, and she may be um, packing up because we're gonna be leaving on vacation and the house is a mess. And I go, why is the house a mess? You know, how come the kids left the kitchen a disaster? You know, what is going on? Like, why is this place always disgusting whenever? I mean, my wife is going to be like. <laughs> Lay it on, man. Yeah, my wife is going to be like, wow, you are a jerk, to put it mildly. And she may not say it, but she's going to avoid me like the plague, and she's going to feel very hurt. Even if I was just tired or hungry or a miserable person for whatever reason. But, but think about what I actually desired, right, as a person is really like if I would have come home and said, honey, I feel very, you know, I feel very like, uh, you know, a little lonely or I feel exhausted or I, I really want to connect to you alone without the kids. Is there a time for us to do that? Or maybe it's that, you know, honey, I want to come up with a plan so that there's more order so that you're not stressed out and I'm not stressed out. Because and we the can kids be more do. present to yeah. each other then. Yeah. But that's not what that's not what was communicated. What was communicated was this blatant, like like this this verbal vomit of of judgment, and the other person can't hear it or tolerate it. They're not exactly going to be interested in translating it to what you really meant. Yeah, and so and so again, <laughs> if this is what people are experiencing in communication, why would they want to sit down with a third person and do this in front of a third person <laughs> and judge each other, right? So that's why people are terrified of of, of marriage counseling or couples work or whatever. And, I, and so like what I, what I found to do in general is that I'm very deliberate about avoiding this because we don't have to talk about this stuff. Mm -hmm. Specifically, we can get at what people want without constantly provoking judgment because people right. don't need 
That we don't need to necessarily talk about what we hate. We need to talk about with our spouse what's alive in us. How does that make you feel? Oh, man. But that statement, that statement, make you feel that that that, <laughs> that, 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 that already is error prone, right? Because nobody can make you feel anything. So now somebody who is like, again, intellectually inclined is going to debate you on that. Now you're done. Oh, well, you're, you're as, <laughs> as a Thomistically trained person, one thing I try to bring, particularly to the men, but to anybody who who's jives with it you know obviously you know god gave us our intellect yeah. which is supposed to be our king and then our will which is our queen if you usurp that kingdom and flip it around if you will without it being grounded in right reason yeah look out mm -hmm. hitler's coming well and he, he he has shown up multiple times in human history right mm -hmm. yeah and uh and now we have uh jean paul sartre on crack so right you know what i mean I uh, freedom 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 right Sure. Freedom, freedom without responsibility well yeah well there's still some city to burn so indeed you know but i, I think that if we but again if we give people like the uh, direction towards using like you said using their intellect being able to see the world with reality again mm -hmm. you know and also understand that they have things alive in them because remember all this consumerism stuff it cuts people away from the, the fact that they still have these desires desires for spiritual life desires for relationship to be close right and so again like it's like these like in, in a mass like we've all been many of us have been conned out of our life conned out of our life in the west by like the american dream you know well we recently quipped about how it seems like one of the biggest uh challenges in the human component of the american catholic church is is this idea of it being run as a business over let's say maybe the last hundred years yeah i don't know if we we could pinpoint a specific time when that happened but we can certainly talk about the effects that that has yeah well, I think that that's, I mean, people ask me, and I've had a, a multiple conversations that I'm sure you have too, is like, how come everybody is leaving the Catholic Church, right? We could have titled, we could have done a whole podcast uh -oh. on why are... I got to, I got to, I got to end it. No, I'm just no. kidding. <laughs> I'm just saying like, why no, let's are go people there. This leaving? is what people want to hear. Well, but I, but I, I find it fascinating because I've asked and I've been able to ask a lot of people and I'm sure you have too. And, sure. and the weird part is, is like, so we live in Buffalo. So in Buffalo, outside of Chicago, we have the, the second highest rate of fallen away Catholics, right? So about 80% of the people in Western New York and in this Buffalo region have at one point been Catholic, right? So if sure. we go to a mega church in our town, like most of the people know what the Catholic church, like they think they know what the Catholic church is and they will mock it. Because, what, what's like number one, animists or Zoroastrians? What or, do you mean? Uh, uh, this is the number one religion. No, never mind. Oh my God. Maybe not. Uh, well, well, I don't even know. It's, it's make your own religion. You're sure. your own God. You know what I mean? Of course. You know, but you can bring the your nuns, coffee The nuns, N-O-N-E-S yeah. nowadays, right? Well, yeah, but I mean, I think that there is, remember, like with the invitation of more and more pride, there is the splittering, the splitting of the body of Christ in all of these things. Sure. It's because the pride divides the person from God. The pride divides the family, right? Divides the will and the intellect, all the stuff that we're talking about. Right. So, so the current landscape is the the largest or second largest demographic yeah. has fallen away Catholics. So, what, what do we do about that? Or, well, I think I think that part of it is is like, well, why is it even happening? Right? Sure. And so, I think what Protestantism has always offered is it's given people the ability to appear virtuous without having to actually do the full sacrifice. And that's why a lot of I think Catholics like become almost pseudo Protestant. Right? They become culturally Catholic. Cafeteria they, Catholicism. Yeah, yeah. They go, but the Eucharist is still. I mean. I mean, the Eucharist is not seen as the real presence. It's not talked about as the real presence. Only 30%, right? 30% of Catholics who go to Mass 
the 30 percent believe or maybe it's 25 now believe in the real presence it dipped even more with covid well because everybody was told you can just do the telemass and yeah. some may not have gotten the memo that that's not acceptable anymore to fulfill your sunday obligation that's in one if there's one psa to get out of today uh it's that you should connect with dan lawson but if there's a second one it's go to mass on sunday yeah well i think that maybe think, not in that order of eternal salvation yeah that's right but... i can't do that i would say that if you come to me i'm probably going to send you to confession if you can go good so or i'm going to tell you to go to mass because jesus is the is the healer but i think Amen. that that's but that that's the funny part right is we have like these weird inclinations right to like uh you know to, to to separate ourselves from this high standard right the catholic church has a super high standard for i have to convert myself and so you'll see in in protestantism like i always go back to like um uh you know uh you know martin luther martin luther in my opinion at the time he was disturbed by the corruption of the church and a lot of the clerical problems and he was right about a lot of the things that he was upset about yes. and the church would later take his his uh his his documents of reformation and they would actually apply it but but for whatever reason martin luther instead of being a holy reformer of the church decides to split off and what he does is he converts other people and so what you see with the whole vein of protestantism is protestantism is clearly defined by converting other people like have you been saved have right. you been saved altar call and so like in in I, I, we got to love Protestants because Protestants are Catholics that just don't know it yet. Like it's just the kind of that's the way I view it, because we we you know, they, they, and some of them live more virtuous lives than we do. Like I'll meet people and I'm like, man, I better I better man Same up. Same with agnostics or atheists, sometimes. exactly, or, or or people that are like, and, and again, it should be a huge uh, gut check because but we because we were given all this stuff and we've really um, not applied. You know, we've we've really fallen away from our training, and um, so. But I think that like with the, the, the we're in we're in uh, the United States, which is primarily a Protestant country with a <laughs> Protestant history, and our Catholic Church in the United States, for the most part, had a Protestant flavor for I think the whole formation of however many hundreds of years. I'm not saying all the time, but I think that uh, you know you figure like as well in, in my in my field in deliverance, you know, it was. Uh, the the Pentecostal movement and the charismatic movement, you know, has Protestant roots and it really took hold in, in how we do healing ministry in yeah. the Catholic Church. Fortunately, some some really powerful bridges are being built between the past and the present and the gaps that took place to allow that to happen. Yeah. Um, but but that's just one example of how, you know, when when you have the fullness of the truth and you're witnessing to someone that has you know a percentage of the of the full pie there's no there's no bartering power on the other side of that conversation you either get on board with the fullness of the truth or you're lacking in something you know and sure. so uh, unfortunately a lot of times we 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 miss that as well in the way that we witness to people and i think that goes back to what you said about confidence yeah you know, because you have to know God to love him, to serve him. Yeah. Effectively. Well, and I think that that's why, like, there is a massive distraction or di disruption so that you can't know him. Like, you won't get to know him. You won't be able to see him in the goodness of you. You won't be able to see him in the goodness of anything because there's just, it's just more flashing lights or chaos or confusion 
or the doom porn, right? Everything anything but God. Evil. Yeah, anything. You can jam it in there with that. They don't care. That's actually, yeah. that's one of the tenets of the demons. Yeah. Anything but God, anything but Catholicism. Yeah. Well, they are the divider, right? So this this whole idea, though, that people are very divided. And obviously, like within the church, right, we have been divided from... It's kind of like funny, right? So if I go to like the Diocese of Buffalo and I go to all the different churches, every church in the Diocese of Buffalo has a different mission statement. Now, mm. I don't know. That doesn't make any sense to me. That doesn't make any sense, right? They all have a different like hallmark you know, mission statement. Well, maybe the principle of subsidiarity, just to play the devil's it's advocate. Possible, but sure. part of it is, is that the the question becomes like, well, what is the mission? What is the mission? And and, and there are people that believe they have to save the church. There are people that believe that um they that they're holier than the pope. There's a whole the, again anything that erodes charity becomes dangerous, right? So Absolutely. It's 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 fraught with danger. Like you could look at anything and be filled with pride and think that you know what to do. And, and so it's, but it's, but I think there's a lot of confusion. And like you said, there's a lot of distraction of, well, where's Jesus? Like, where is he? Go to a meeting. Where, where was he talked to? Listen to a homily. We want to be looking for him. And I think that we need to be looking for him in the church. And I think what we've, um, what the Protestants have done very well is they've formed community. They've formed a lot yeah. of community and the relevancy to the current, uh, you know, sometimes some of the issues is, is very present. But the, the danger becomes that, uh, you know, we're, we're um, uh, that, that again, like it's about Christ. It's not about a comfortable life. You know, I've been on boards uh, <laughs> in many different capacities in, in and out of the church, but, you know, largely in the church, I'm thinking right now. And I've noticed a recurring pattern that really concerns me where, again, it goes back to that, you know, running things like business decisions. Yeah. And. You, sometimes you you might you might be lucky to see at least like a ritual opening and closing prayer. You might get one or the other, yeah. but a lot of times God isn't even mentioned once in the meeting. And I hear a lot of language of oh we should use this person or we should use that resource and we should this and that. And it's like why don't we you know the language is very powerful. Why don't we really check ourselves in the way that we say that and make sure that we use humble language and to say, by God's grace, we might be able to have the opportunity to do this or that and to always prayerfully bring him into every one of those conversations, you know, cause that's authentic community building. Yeah. Well, but again, like, but to have the community be built, there has to be an increase in love, like you said, and there has to be more humility and we have to be able to see where we've gone wrong. Not, not that the church has gone wrong so much as we've gone wrong. You know, what I mean, the church is still infused with the Holy Spirit and will do what God wants it to do. Right. It's like a it's like God is on a tandem bike. You know, what I mean, maybe we weren't pedaling very well, but he doesn't care. He's going to keep <laughs> going regardless of how we feel or how screwed up we are. If we didn't train and like, yeah, and some. So and again, I feel like the Catholic Church in a lot of ways, many of us have been asleep and it's made mm -hmm. a lot of people afraid. Right? I think that. Uh, you know, um, you know, Father Gallagher, who, uh, you know, I, I, one of his books years ago, what was it? Uh, you know, the journey with Jonah, the, 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 you know, the, the, uh, you know I think it's like a spirituality. What's his of first will. name? I think it's Peter, but I might be wrong. Okay. But he is, I think, an Irish priest, but it's a, you know, the whole idea. I would of, guess that by the last name. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. Uh, you put me on the spot, but, <laughs> but uh, that's, that's the name of the game. But I think that a lot of us, the, you know, the, the, the church is asleep and people are afraid and, and the church is again, like responsible in many ways to continue to animate, you know, the world with the spirit of Christ. And so we need to do our work. <clears throat> but I think that, like you said, the, what we've gotten, I think one of the things to, to kind of go back to uh, John Steinbeck quote is that 
he used to say that the one thing that no person, no society has ever overcome is success. And I think the church in a lot of ways was successful. It built community buildings, it built giant cathedrals, it built schools, it started medical you know, organizations and hospitals, and it did so much. And then people well, became sure. ungrateful. Like I think people have become so ungrateful that they don't understand what they have. They don't understand the spiritual technology of the sacraments. They don't go seek out confession. They don't really worthily or even with interest go seek out you know communion with our Lord and blessed sacrament. And, and there's no interest for a lot of people to even get their kids introduced to any of these concepts. You know, I mean, well, a lot, a lot of times you'll get maybe the cafeteria Catholic flavor of people. You just have like a, a, a case in point. I had a conversation with a bunch of Catholics after we just finished a funeral mass and just started talking about the importance of our faith. And, and, you know, the conversation took a turn. Well, you know, there's these other faith groups out there and, you know, you need to respect how they believe because that's what works for them. That's their truth. And it's like, did we not just receive our Lord together? <laughs> like, how, how is this even, you know, it, it, there's such a disconnect. And I think part of it has to do with, you know, obviously there's a lack of charity in, in the politicking that yeah. takes place in our church. I always say I was never cut out for politics because, you know, politics, the root of that word comes from being polite. It's polite discussion. I'm not polite enough for politics, but there's politics and there's business that has to be downstream from culture. And we really need to define our culture. But I like to say that culture itself is also downstream from immutable morality. That is unchanging morality. Our morality cannot change, just like dogmas and doctrines in our church. And we need to really have a solid grip on that, right, with the, the intellect and our knowledge, but then most importantly to will it. St. Teresa of Calcutta says the, the longest journey is from the head to the heart to enact it, and then you're defining that culture and that community that we're looking for. Yeah, well, I think while we watch the, the, the culture, you know, be redistributed, right? Because so think about it like, like, as you're talking about this, I think a lot of us, I would even get sometimes upset because we can see a lot of humanities going off of a cliff, right? They're doing a lot of terrible things, a lot of things that at some point, many people will recognize are catastrophic. And yet, like right now, like they're in vogue, right? And they're going to continue. And so we have to be we have to figure out how to be loving and to be responsible to what we've been given and to not necessarily compete. Remember, yes. if, we are, if, we're, if we are with Jesus Christ, there is no competition. Yeah, it is not one body. Uh, and, but you see this. There is a spirit of that. And that's just not effective. Jesus doesn't compete. The apostles don't compete. All they do is he loves people. He, he serves and takes responsibility. And so that's what you see with the, the saints and the holy people of our era. They have to do that because the, this, this, uh, this culture of shame and competition this, this race to the bottom, like who's, yeah, I mean, this weirdness, right? This de-evolution of humanity. What happens if we even think about it, you know, and, uh, you know, is that eventually there will be a dominant culture that will show up because this one's destroying itself. There's just these, these ideas. If the ideas are not going to promote humanity, they will kill humanity or the groups involved. That's just, that's just, that's just inescapable reality. Like that's you said, the iron rule. Yeah. So, so rule people, by force. Well, it, it, and the forces of just natural law. Like you can't have a society that kills itself be able to elect itself. It's just not possible. The math is not there. Indeed. So whether it takes ten years or a hundred years, you have now a culture that is destroying itself, and it's at the end now. 
It's at the end because it's a, a now fighting reason. Yeah, we're post-reason. Exactly. So now what we're going to see is a new dominant culture come in, either from our country or from the outside or from the inside. But it will be a culture of life because there has to be. And you see this over and over again in the history of the world is you'll have societies that really fall into dissipation, right? They just cannot agree on these moral understandings. They don't have family structure. There's no ability for societal trust. Right. And so they just tear each other apart. And then like the Mongols or the I don't even want to pick on the Mongols. Maybe it wasn't them. But the Raiders, you there's can pick on the a, Vikings. Well, whatever. I'm a Viking by by history, probably. So but you figure that they <laughs> I just didn't mean come to touch on, on, a, it's, it's on okay. a pain point. That's <laughs> OK. It's OK. They, they you, just, you're they, very they, civil. They just well, I try nowadays. I try. Well, well you know? I just want my axe back at the end. Right. So, I mean, like it's <laughs> but you figure like we we, we we're going to see a, a dominant culture of love. The, the, the group that loves the most will be there. The, the group that cannot love will be gone. It, it, that is just the evolution. You can't have a society that hates. And that's the weirdness. You have all this communication about love is love and love and love. But all you see is death, 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 suicide, death, 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 suicide, murder, you know, and no hope. And, and so like there is, it becomes like this apathy, right? This drive. But that this is this is but it says, well, it's love, but it's not. And so, like, there is, again, it goes back to this, uh, this prostitution of the mind. Do you want comfort? Do you want to, can we give you as much pleasure as your will can handle? But then, like, distort the experience of reality. And, and again, like, it's, it's very weird where people are formed on every level in their homes, by television, by colleges, by their institutions, that this is reality. And yet they're miserable. And so I don't need to go into the, the statistics. The statistics of death, even in our own community and suicide, are terrible, even for groups that we would hope would not be. But mm -hmm. not to, to create shame or scandal, again, like I, I want people to understand, though, that we, we just want to stop doing what's not working. Right. And realize that the people of hope and the people who have love and charity will connect and stitch the world back together because that's what we do. That's what we do. But we're not going to participate and, and, and smash everything and everybody. I think the other thing is, you know, as you're talking about this, is we have to be able to be patient with one another. We have to be able to be patient and see that the people that are doing one thing, just like I've done one thing at one point in my life, I'm not the same person. And so we have to be constantly being open and helping people to have a place to come back to. Um, because, like, again... Well, like, all saints have a past. Yeah. Just as all sinners have a future, right? That's right. Yeah. And so, but we forget that. Because mortal sin in general, like, you know, my, I don't know if I ever, you know, we ever talked about this before together, but you ever watched The Return of the Jedi, right? Sure. So there's a part in The Return of the Jedi where the Emperor is sitting there, when Darth Vader's there, and he brings Luke Skywalker, and he just sits in his chair. He's got the lightsaber. Yeah, and he's like, yeah, he's like, I can feel your anger running through you. Grab your sword and slay me so that my power can run through you. And that's how, like, mortal sin operates. It provokes us. On our righteousness. It's or like even, Highlander. Yeah. There can like, only be one. That's right. It keeps, <laughs> keeps building this, this spirit of Antichrist, right? The spirit of, of hate almost, right? The, to hate this group, to hate this person. And that's not of God. And yet it feels, it feels delicious to people. Mm -hmm. they, they want mm -hmm. to find reasons to justify it. But then there are no windows in the house. We've broken them all. 
You know, I mean, then we're all upset. You That's know why I mean? back in the day we had the Colosseums, right? And, yeah. and the peasantry were, were getting destroyed by beasts and killing each other for the elite's pleasure. Now I'm seeing comments online where they're saying, I didn't expect towards the end of the ages that it was going to be the billionaires that were going to beat each other up, a la Musk and Zuckerberg, yeah. for the delight of the peasants. Yeah. It kind of got inverted in an interesting way there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> well, they're all going to be choosing their weapons soon. and you know, whether it's on Twitter or whatever, I mean, like it's, but you see that like these groups of people, right? They're, they're, they're competing, right? And again, like as Christians, we don't compete. If we don't compete because we play an infinite game, they're playing a game in the world. They're playing a game where there's a winner and loser. In our game, like Jesus already won. In our game, like our, our job is to play virtue to the end. And that makes us unkillable. And I don't mean that we can't be killed, but the spirit of Christ is unkillable because it is in constant unity to promote virtue. Well, right? the seed of the church is the blood of martyrs. Yeah. And, and, so even if you lose, you win. And, and you see, like, the fascinating thing is you're talking about, like, what's going on with the church in the United States. Obviously, we have a reduction and a shrinking in the business model. But then you see where it's growing. Where is it growing the most? In the underground, in China, of all places, in Iraq right holy cow parts of these, africa yes, asia these places where people are, are at the verge of being killed but they they their children old young people religious orders all the, they're trying to they're, they're seeking out god in a, in a huge way why it's that ever living out of x yeah right why would i stake my entire life on this when it seems like there's nothing to gain there's nothing to gain in the eyes of the world there's no monetary business strategy here yeah it's because it's true and good and therefore extremely attractive it is and, and i think that people also are not blinded by comfort these places people do not have the means to escape the reality of life there is terrible stuff and difficult things but but they want to live for something greater and it's weird because i think for us in our world like again you know like i said like you know no societies overcome success and we have this weird comfort and this lack of gratitude for what the faith was. Like Americans, most Americans, I don't think realize that like Catholicism was outlawed during the, I mean, I mean, it was illegal to be Catholic, right? I mean, you know, most of our founding fathers, they were all Protestant, right? I mean, you well, know, I'm so, part Irish and Italian. I mean, we were enslaved. Yeah. And I then, mean, you know, the early bouts of immigration in this country weren't so fun. Yeah. And, and there was this confusion. There's always this confusion of like, well, because... God is bigger than the government to us. Christ is Christ is king. It's not whoever sits on the throne or the president or whoever it is. We have to kind of continue to move to serve him. And so that's why as Christians, we have to be free. And so you'll see like if there's real Christianity, right? So whether it's, you know, this version of the the Orthodox Christian Christianity in, in, in the East or Byzantine Rite or Catholic or the, you know, the, these these people that follow the, the, the integrated revealed truths of the of the faith, right? There is a freedom, right? People will be free to lay down their life. They will be free. They're not going to be ridden with just fear, right? Or and they will not just, you know, come up with some Walmart version of Christianity of, well, this this feels good. This makes me not have to deal with the harsh reality, right? It's a nice bedtime story. Um, right. it, it's not a bedtime story. It's a way that we have to live, and it's a way that we're going to have to die in some ways, right? And whether we die little by little every day or we die and, like you said, like open martyrdom, like sure. the thing is is that dying is inescapable. But I think that right. we live in a culture that believes that death isn't a reality. Everything is just a culture. Oh, sure. We're about to get to the point where you can download your mind and live forever <laughs> through AI, right? 
Well, that's that sounds absolutely horrific, but I'm glad that you uh, you decided to go there. Don't invite me back. I was no, to talk seriously, about that one. You, yeah. you don't want me around, man. Uh, you know, like well, yeah. you're like like the the weird uncle or grandpa, like yeah. hanging around way longer than you know. It's yeah. like there's a time and a place for it, I guess, but eternally in the here and now, maybe not so much. I think it sounds a lot like hell. You know, what I mean, again, this movement to the self and self preservation. It's yeah. Could you imagine that? There were science fiction stories written about all of this, and they were not stories of like wonder. They were stories of terror and warning. Yeah, yeah. Like, but I don't think yesterday's people... science fiction and conspiracies, tomorrow's news. It seems it, like it nowadays, is. it is. It's it's wild. You know, you you look at this stuff, and but if we think about like the the, the Catholic Church, like as you, you go back to your original question about like the business model, I think that you figure like what was most powerful and maybe what you do in your ministry and with the people that you touch and what we're trying to do by this is that there was community and there was family right there was community and family in the early church you know people knew each other they knew what it is that people needed they felt a sense of connection and they they also had an implied sense of risk they understood what they were involved with and um i think like right now everything has become about like finances it's become about money to become about the brick and mortar foundation of what's going to happen to our school, what's going to happen to our building. But there were no buildings in the beginning. It was just right. your basement. It was just it your was home. households. Yeah, and that's what I'm seeing again. We see that in your ministry and other people's ministries and people that have a devotion to our Lord. Remember, I think the three things that I see over and over again, because I try to study positive anomalies, is the movement to greater humility. So whether we screw it up, we don't do the right thing, or whether we have to go through our own process of conversion, wherever we start, atheist, agnostic, rebel without a cause, whatever, we have to figure out some level of humility. We have to encounter the truth. Um, and, and then there's a movement of unity, right? Unification of the person, right? We have to be integrated because we, want to, we need to be free. There's no freedom if there's no unity. There's hiding and, and, and disconnection. And distrust. Yeah, exactly. But for you to be able to engage people in your ministry or to help people or to be able to promote anything that is true, you have to be integrated or at least working to that, right? I mean, so you have the humility and then you have the unity of the family, the unity of the individual person, right? We're not going to pretend that you're not a person. You see, like we've cut away like the soul from the human being, right? You know, babies don't really have a soul. You know, old people don't have a soul. This person who might be handicapped or have a disability, they don't have a soul. Right. You know, if I say I don't have a soul, I don't have one either. So you can kill me, right? We've dehumanized one another. On, and, and in the sex trade, right? These women or men or children don't have a soul, right? That movie that has come out that people are, 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 are promoting across the board on, on, the, on the underground, but now it's swelling up, that, that Sound of Freedom movie. Because this is Yeah, have reality. you seen it yet? I've not. I've it's seen it. It's on my agenda, yeah. I have. And, you know, as someone who's, who has survived um, the abuse crisis uh, myself, I have to say they did a, a fantastic job of it. Uh, what I really appreciated about that is they made sure that the voice, uh, the, the platform was given to those who deserve it the most, which is those who are actually affected the most by it. Yeah. Right. Anybody that's involved in liberation are heroes. I mean, Tim Ballard is it's, it's he's an astonishing American hero. It's a fantastic story. But he and Jim Caviezel, who plays him, would be the first to say that it was those two young children in that movie, not to give any way plot details, sure. but that really portrayed the horrors of that, that are able to tell that story so that it ignites hearts. 
And, and even more importantly, those of us who have actually lived through that hell, we ought to be the ones that are able to tell the story so that we can become part of that solution and, yeah. and get the whole culture on board. Because it really is an epidemic where so many people are implicated in some way, shape or form. And, and for a lot of people, it's their apathy towards yeah. it or their inability to wrestle with it because sure. they choose fear over knowledge and action grounded in virtue yeah. of course and 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 that's not going to work anymore because it's going to come to a point where maybe it didn't affect you or your family directly in the past but it will in the future if the evil spreads oh yeah i think that, that, that i think part of it is is like mother Teresa said like we all belong to each other and if we don't wake up to that like it doesn't matter like soon we're going to see that everybody it's 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 in everybody's life and if we don't see that then then again then we fail each other Right. And, you know, there, I, I want to touch on this for a moment because yeah. you mentioned, you know, abortion and, and people being brainwashed to think that we don't have souls and everything that goes with it. You know, you also mentioned how we're down to what, maybe 30 percent that believe in the real presence. That's yeah. within the Catholic Church. Yeah. Another stat uh, in P latest Pew Research, you know, sure. objective, independent, uh, you know, very well researched states that around nine out of 10 Catholics contracept nowadays, Wow. which is objective, grave matter. And I've asked my spiritual director, who is, has had a, so much to do with actually even bringing this podcast to fruition. Um, you know, I've met with our last three bishops many, many times for one-on-ones, and they've, they've steered my ministry efforts. And they said, work with your spiritual director on these different components. Sure. And here we are. And I asked my spiritual director, you know, why have I almost never heard a homily about the evils of contraception? Because it's so, it's just so logical once you actually do the research. You start contracepting, oops a daisy, it didn't work. What's the next step? Kill the baby. Oops, I had a mistake. We gotta, we're not ready to handle this and whatever, for whatever reason. And of course, I, I am not making light of this. There are so many different factors that go into that. And that's a very emotional experience in addition to rational. And, and then it devolves from there. There's more th weird things that come after the abortion chain of causation where you get perverse forms of sexuality, like polygamy, polyandry, and other things, uh, maybe like the Roy G. Biv, if you will. And then it goes to full-blown bestiality, pedophilia, and just the most depraved of them all, uh, Q sound of freedom. Sure. And so we need to be talking about those root issues. And one thing that I want to emphasize with that is, is if over nine out of the 10 of us who are Sure. Who self-identify as Catholic, whether yeah. or not we realize that we're falling away. Um, if that's the mainstream right now, we need to be really careful about where we get our information and what really actually is, you know, that fullness of the truth and, and the, the, correct, uh, the correct expression of our faith life. Well, I think, I think that formation is a key thing. A formation, like again, and again, it goes back to this whole idea of humility too, right? The weird part, I, I mean, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, is there's no real human documented experience of being wrong. I mean, it's kind of a weird thing, right? I mean, there's uh, no, the no, no, Darwin no. Awards. Yeah, we all know, but I'm just saying like, <laughs> for me, for you, for every person we encounter, sure. even, so there is an aversion to being wrong. Oh, there's, for there's sure. An addiction, for sure. I see what you're saying. An addiction saying. for human beings to be right about everything. Yes. Like I can be right about my favorite sports team. I can be right about the way that I like my eggs cooked. I can be right about my exercise plan. And then, then we get into moral things. And then it becomes mm -hmm. even more 
excitatory for people. But I want you to think about this. When somebody's wrong, right? So think about it. How do you feel like when you're wrong? Think about this. Just, just say the first words that come to your mind. When you're wrong, how do you feel? Well, I feel thankful. What because, else? What else? Because I know that I'm learning something. Good. Um, but when I wasn't, you know, when I hadn't worked toward virtue, sure. I would feel shame. Sure. Uh, which I now realize, you know, the classical definition of shame is uh, the fear of being perceived as lowly. And I actually perceive that as a good thing. I've noticed that you're using shame in, in, a, in a different uh, sense throughout this conversation. So I don't mean to detract oh, from yeah, that, yeah. but, um, you know, there was a time when I wouldn't, I don't want to feel shame. You know what I mean? And, but if I can't think of it in the sense of selflessness and ego death and, um, and having something to learn, then I'm going to shy away from, it. I'm going to run like hell in the other direction. Well, so, so, but this is my point, right? So, so, but when you say like you, maybe you, you felt like, you, okay, I could chuckle, I learned something, or maybe in, in other periods of your life, you'd say you feel kind of crummy or you feel ashamed or whatnot, right? Sure. You feel bad. Most people will say they feel bad or feel stupid or whatever when they're, when, they're, when they're wrong. But the answer is, is that's only when you find out you're wrong. Until you find out you're wrong, until it's revealed, being wrong and being right feel exactly the same. So mm. for a lot of people, psychologically, they walk around. They can be in complete error. But they are, as I have been. And if we're honest about it, again, we, as soon as I say I was wrong, I was wrong about who I voted for back in 1996. You know, I mean, if I say that, that that's that's retroactive. Intense that's, election yeah, period. Yeah, well, whatever. I mean, yeah. But I'm just saying, like, if I say I was wrong about the way I used to, you know, whatever, it's 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 retroactive. And by that point, I've already replaced my belief by something else. And so, like, it's very rare for people to— It's just a defense to, mechanism. It, well, it's, it, it's, it's, it's part of the human experience. And so I, I don't even know if it's—some of it is defensive stuff. But I think we have to have a knowledge, a working knowledge of the fact that we, as well as the people we see, at any point may be wrong, right? They may be wrong about things. And that, again, like, we have to be relaxed enough to keep perspective so that we don't—you know, because, again, like, for people to come to approach the truth— just like timid deer, like for me to approach certain truths, I had to be around men and women and holy people that were loving and relaxed. If they were intense people, I don't know about you, but I didn't seek out the intense people. Right. Some of us do, but usually because we're so precarious, because our own behaviors have reduced our confidence some, right? Because if I do anything, if you do anything that reduces your confidence... Mm -hmm. Right. So if I tell a lie or if I do something, it doesn't matter if I believe in Jesus or not. I mean, a lot of people don't realize this. If you do things inconsistent with who you are, your confidence goes down. So I don't care what the person believes that is carved into their soul. It is the way human beings are designed by God. So whether they believe in God or think he's the tooth fairy, it's an escapable reality. Right. So we just give language and an understanding to people of these realities because they've been revealed by God. But they're there. So, so you mentioned humility and then unity. And I can see how those two components are the necessary prerequisite for people to get on board with something like heartsrenewed.org. Sure. Right? Because we talked about, you know, the husband who might be apprehensive or whatever. He needs to humble himself. And then you bring that unity into that couple's life in that scenario. What's number three? Well, so, so if you think about it, like the, the third part is community, right? So mm. humility is the truth, right? There is a need for the truth, right? Yeah, my you favorite know. definition of humility is groundedness in the truth. Yeah. It's not this modern notion of being a doormat. 
Um, you know, sometimes for, for the saints who are bold in the spirit, people are like, oh, you're not humble because they have, they exude holiness. And it's like, no, that would be stifling a light under the bushel. Yeah. It's, it, it's all in the way that you present it, but it's also people need to realize the way that they perceive it needs to be in accordance with that objective. Well, and, and that's the point, right? So we have to live up to what it is that God has given us, our gifts also to integrate our weaknesses. We have to depend on God, right? There is brokenness in us. That's how the light gets in, right? So, but the humility, one of the easiest, so if you think about from a marital standpoint, right? At the basic, as, as, as people of faith, we believe that society is essentially, the cell of society is the family, right? So right, humility, yeah. So humility, husband and wife, and the example you gave me about the husband wanting to do counsel or whatnot, or go to hearts renewed, we start with gratitude. Gratitude is the easiest way to activate humility without humiliation, right? Because we can all I do. We can all. I love humiliation as much as the next guy, but I'm not going to be <laughs> driving around looking for it. You know, so yep. I'm going to try to reduce that frequency if I can, right? Hundred um, percent. But when it comes, maybe I'll be like, oh, gold well, star for me. Every minute of Jesus's earthly existence was humiliation. Every second of it. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's this weird paradox when saints become very holy, they actually desire it, but it's not in like a sadistic way or a self-defeating way. But anyways, that's those, those come with a very high levels of prayer. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. But, but like if we've got the gratitude, if the wife is grateful for her husband and reflects the positive realities, right? Yes. Remember we're, we're trying to see the presence of people, not the absence. Yes. We are fixated on sin a lot of times because it scares us and because it makes us incriminate ourselves. I see... I can see a person do something, and if I'm honest, right, I know that I have the capacity to do the same, and it freaks me out. It's why, like, graver skin creates even more scandal in a community, divorce especially, because it destroys people's hope and relationships, even though they want marriages to work, right? So the humility creates that unity, right? I can start to be unified to my spouse. I want to connect to her. Or if it's just me as an individual, I start to be at least grateful and can see the hand of God in my life. And gratitude's fascinating. It will rewire the, the chambers of the brain. So the more you create gratitude, it literally is like a massage for your brain. It allows you to be more reflective in a way that uh, allows you to choose joy, right? So a lot of people like, you know, the, the ability to choose joy has a lot to do with how much your brain can cultivate gratitude. Like, you know, uh, you know, St. Uh, St. Ignatius was, was very, uh, and I know you've studied many of the different saints, but that was one of the things that I always took away from him is how important gratitude is to keep close to the pulse of God in your life. And really to St. Ignatius able, of Loyola. Yeah. Ignatius mm -hmm. of Loyola. Yeah. Cause if Father gratitude, Jesuits. yeah, if, if gratitude goes away, uh, Satan comes with the, the pity party cake. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you don't have anything. You're not attractive. You're a terrible sitter. <laughs> Some of this is obviously true, but now we don't see God, right? So we, right. So, so the humility gives us that. that he turns from the tempter to the accuser. It, very quickly, yeah, right? It's, and then it's closing time, right? So, you know, so, yeah. you know and uh, get, save your space at the confessional line. You know right. what I mean? So, How does it connect to community once you work on the unity piece? So, so what, what we want, right? So if you think about once, once you have a family, right, and you have a family, right, once you are a unified person, you, you want to escape the self. Not escape in the sense of destroy the self, but there is a need to share. 
So you invite into your life, you're open to life, and a child comes. Whether you adopt the child or you are a spiritual father because maybe you're a priest or a religious, right? There is a need to give of the self, right? There is a need of, of, of self-gift that just becomes fluid, right? So now there becomes greater community. And, and for us to experience, especially Catholicism, Catholicism, one of the, the most difficult things about it is that we do not have right now community the way that we have at other points. We do not have this shared understanding of relationship and who is you know, you know, Christ in our midst. Because if I have relationship with you or other people, we have this community, I actually experience Christ more intensely. Like you and I are blessed to have spouses. And that's a good intense. Yes, yeah, that is, and, that, that's, and that's a huge thing. And so now all of a sudden, like I experience Christ in this dynamic relationship through other people, right. through the challenges, through the different personalities, through the sacrifice of, of children or with your spouse. And there's a constant movement away from the self to make a gift in this way. So, you know, once I collect myself, I then have to, then I have the freedom to give of myself. So it always goes into community. And so what you saw, like how St. John Paul II, like, you know, when I, I study like the, the anomaly of how communism was disrupted, like in, in, in the, the former Soviet Union, this was essentially his path. Whether he did it deliberately, obviously, like he he is a, a saint, but but I but you see this in well, his. He probably didn't choose communism in his home country. No, that was no. circumstantial, at least a little bit. Yeah, but you see, like, but he didn't. But there was no guns. There was no rebel riot. I mean, I remember when I was a kid coming down the stairs, like, and I stayed up late because I wanted to see people. I thought that you know, I thought that I could see people get shot on TV because yeah, I was a twisted little kid, <laughs> and so I was like, I remember my parents like, well, you need to go things. to bed. Well. They're like, I'm, they're like the wall's coming down. And my parents were terrified that, that they were going to show the wall come down and people would get shot. But I wanted to make popcorn and watch it. But there was no guns that went off when the wall came down. Right. And what you saw, though, was family and community, even though that obviously that, that part of the world is, is still not healed because of the errors of communism and, and socialism, and it's continued to spread in some capacity, it, it still was destabilized. And you look at what is in Poland, right? Poland is, for the most part, a very established, faithful country. It's got its own issues, like all places. But I think as people, what always stands opposed to this governmental uh, unification under like some you know, conglomeration, right? This, 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 again, consumers, right? Consumer, slave, and then you got the master, right? The, the government, right? Is, is the family. People want relationships. When they see that movie, like you said, you know, the, that movie, you see people, you see families, you see the disruption. You yes. see the dehumanity of uh, the, 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 the removal of humanity, and you should be angry because it's it, it, otherwise. Righteous you're, you're, anger. Yes. It's actually virtuous. Yeah. And it's and, not virtuous. Not to respond that way. Yeah, it should be. It should be, it should be a gut check that you've lost your humanity, that you would be okay with this. Right. You know, and I think that a lot of people, the apathy is so intense. I think that a lot of people are are voting for apathy. You're like, well, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. Really? Sure. Until they're taking your kids, or until they're burning your house down, right? I right. We saw this even in our own town. Like people enabled certain groups to take effect, and they almost burned the 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 mayor's house down, right? Sure. And our mayor is a person of color. And he and he was, you know, being his, his house was almost burned down by the, uh, the, the, well, the, the, the group that shall not be named. Right? I, I mean, haven't even heard about this. I'm yes, not attuned in my yeah, own. My own. To, the SWAT team had to remove him from his home, you know, because, like, yeah, but it was not on our news because it is not favorable narrative that, Understood. You, know, you know, so. Well, what I'm hearing you say to bring it home is you need to start with that humility 
and to have a radical gratitude attitude can yeah. really hack that in a way that's not, you know, shameful or that you, you experience maybe some emotions that you're afraid of, which is keeping you from getting there in the first place. Then the unity, you know, that self holism component comes in, at which point you're going to be able to effectively experience and engage and contribute to community. And one of the reasons, you know, you said we, we're lacking this in Buffalo currently, maybe just writ large, not to paint too broad of sure. strokes, but let's, so let's contextualize, right? And, and concretize, you know, one of the big initiatives that we're experiencing and, and for anybody who's, you know, that might be tuning in from beyond Buffalo, this is really starting as a local community movement here, hence the overarching theme sure. that you're seeing throughout this conversation. But, um, you know, we're experiencing this family of parishes model, which is relatively new in the life of Holy Mother Church. You know, we're having groupings of over 160 parishes throughout the eight counties of Western New York that make up our current diocesan structure be aggregated into uh, groupings of two to six parishes uh, with a pastor over all of them. So, and, and it's still not clear, you know, where he may take residence, uh, you know, how accessible he'll be to everybody. But the expectation is that we all share of our community resources with whichever the parishes might have a young adult component or might do very well at education. It has the school or that does great in the sacramental life and being able to provide those sacraments, you know, uh, in, in a more holistic manner than maybe just, you know, obviously uh, confession and, and Eucharist are the two most recurring ones that should be, you know, very operative in, in everyone's life. Uh, maybe the, one of the reasons that there's a, a lack of a sense of health in community is because, of course, we, we've, we're fresh off a scandal. You know, some have, have built it almost like a spiritual wasteland right now, like the battlefield is is intense. Sure. And and there's a lot of, we need field medics. You know, we need, we need empathy. We need understanding. We need to meet people where they're at, but we can't keep them where they're at. And you know, maybe some of the lack of trust comes in where, and, and anyone who has two brain cells to rub together knows this. So I'm not really stating anything that's controversial. Sure. Um, but you know, there's, there's everybody, you know, wondering where do I connect in this dynamic with the principle of subsidiarity, which needs to be there, but also that principle of solidarity where we work together when I don't know how to trust other people in the community because you know, churches might shut down if some of us are in the red or, you know, I don't know how to connect with this, but I think what you said in, in, in summarizing community and what needs to be healthy, maybe it's worth reflecting and this can be rhetorical, but on how Plato said, you know, in a, in a Republic, you really should only have a citizenry of about 2000. Even Elon Musk has said this recently, like, you know, just a, 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 a very secular, you know, public figure nowadays that we shouldn't have too much globalism because you want to have enough diversity in community so that if something goes wrong somewhere, it's not a single point of failure for everything. So, and that's where we need to get back to that healthy subsidiarity connected with solidarity. Yeah. Well, I think we, we want, we, if you think about it, like the, the, the theme as you're talking, just to, again, one thing practically is people gut check themselves is, are you free? Mm. Are you free? Because when you engage with people, so like you said, like there's a lot of things that are concerning. And so there's a lot of fear and a lot of tension in a lot of people's minds and, and things. But we want to make sure that we're free to take responsibility 
as as lay people like obviously this this whole conversation your your desire to to serve the community my desire to really help in this dynamic is we have to build up a lot of people that in many ways have been atrophied right a lot of our our, our priests and bishops and, and and the church need to be encouraged like as, as you know if they're not if they're not against us they're for us so we have to figure out but we have to be free we also need to figure out if i'm free i'm not going to take from anyone I don't want to take. I love that. And, and so I have to constantly, you know, I remember a gentleman I met years ago. He would always say, I do not take from you. You do not want to take from other people. You know, I will give you something. And when I encountered him, it was really, he, he was always giving people around him a sense of relaxation, of relief, of encouragement, just as mere presence. And so you'll see this with like the holy people that you've been around. They don't take anything. Mother right. Teresa doesn't take anything. You know, you know, um, you know, you know, uh, any of these. And so we really want to figure out how do we get free? And again, that goes back to the humility and really being able to, um, you know, uh, move beyond just like you said, I have to do the work. I have to convert myself. And that's what we need right now is we need free men and women, whether they're religious or lay people and families. But again, like Fulton Sheen said many years ago, it's going to be the laity that make the priests priests and the bishops bishops. They need to see our devotion. They need to see us encourage them. They need to see us converting ourselves so that they are reminded of, of all the things that we, we know are real, right? Because for whatever reason, that exchange has kind of been flip-flopped, right? Now we're doing these things and, and then that's what it is. This is the time we're in. Right. So we have to take responsibility. And so I think... Um, so uh, as people listen to this or they watch this, we want to move. If it's me and my wife, I don't want to take from her. If it's me with my kids, I don't want to take from them. If it's me with the church, I don't want to take from the church. Right. There's a lot of attitudes of frustration with the church, but it's not about you. It's not there for you to take from. It was there and people build these buildings, right? You know, they, they built these buildings out of gratitude. Priests and community elders and people in the church, they, 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 they encountered God there through these relationships because people loved them. And now these buildings are going away, but there's no gratitude. There's no shared story. Like now, what is the story? The story that people tell about the church. And I want the story that my kids tell about the church or your kids tell about the church was, well, we had these experiences where people of great love were there. Not, and we have to have joy. The, 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 the church should be the center of joy, of hope, of, of a sense of gratitude. And, and that's what's going to attract people. Not fear-mongering, not judgment, not us banging on the door saying, oh, get out here, sinners. Because it's just a, it's honestly like, I, I love the Catholic Church. It's a because, respect life community, it, well, man. It, it should, but the church, <laughs> the, the Catholic Church, if it was just for its humanity, it would not exist. When you look at it, it is like the Pirates of the Caribbean. You know what I mean? But the Holy Spirit has preserved it and will continue to preserve it with real holy men and women. And it's not going anywhere. No. As much I as mean, we world... invented institutions of higher learning in the 11th yeah. and 12th centuries. Yeah. We invented hospitals. We continue to be the largest charity on planet Earth. But we are completely screwed up. <laughs> and that's the truth. Well, I, the, the, I, the way I heard one priest say it's the largest mafia family in existence. I mean, a yeah. criminal family, well, I yeah. need to say. We're all criminals every time we sin. Well, and I think, well, and, that, and that's true. But again, if we can move away from taking, move away from the self and like start to offer what, because the world has already gotten very good at taking. 
It's taking our children. It's taking our freedom. It's taking our, our mental state all the time, constantly making us anxious, constantly making us like upset and doubt ourselves. It, it's trying to take our, our youth from us when we're young. It's trying to take our enjoyment of our families as we get older. It's, you know, we can't. And so we, we need to kind of figure out like, you know, how can we put Christ back at the center? You know, again, in all of these places, starting with our own life and figuring out like, is my life lined up with what he would say? Like, you know, what is it that Christ is going to be pleased with? Because he, at the end of the day, is the audience. If people watch this, like, you know, great. If people, nobody watches this, we have to Even do better. what we, we we do what pleases him because at the end it's going to be that i mean you know if if, if there's some other audience besides him we lose our freedom because right. that's the only freedom is to, to do what serves him because it's not the government it's not some paying person or, or you know some some you know, not some, some silver bullet yeah. business model yeah yeah i mean we have to we bring people either to him or we bring people someplace else and that someplace else is never good because limited or it's evil you know, at some point, or it gets really weird, really quick. You right. know? So, but yeah, that, that humility, and again, that you know, if people can be grateful for one another in their marriages or in their in their in their parish, right? Be grateful for the priest who showed up to do confession, or to be grateful for the people that are still willing to teach their kids, or to be grateful for the staff at the hospital, even though the hospitals are understaffed. Right. And, and be, if you and if you have a confusion or a conflict with someone, yeah, go to them directly first. Yeah. Don't call the chancery. To rat on someone without yeah. actually going to the person first, because otherwise you're violating the gospel precepts as well as I think it's in Corinthians, one of the books of Corinthians. It states both in the gospels and the epistles that if you take issue with your brother, you are to go to him or your sister directly. or her directly. Yeah. yeah. And then if that doesn't work, you bring one other person that's rationally minded in, right? That's where maybe maybe you are or are not called to go to that deeper level with people that... Yeah. utilize heartsrenewed.org and then you know bring another person all the way up to and including the community sure. if you shortcut or or try to hack at god's own precepts it's 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 probably not going to be the most effective game plan no no and you, you usually you shortchange yourself and again we want full lives we want full people we don't want parts and that's what we get we get people that are living in parts so right. no i but yeah but i i like again if, if anybody if i can be of any help like this is a wonderful time and if people want to check out like the podcast the you know you know smuggling hope is the name if you go on spotify or like i said and um if they are looking for any way to do work um you know smuggle hope into their marriage they can check out the the, the skills and tactics at uh, heartsrenewed.org and you know figure out like if that's going to work with with their marriage uh, they can you know, kind of have the kind of marriages that like light up in the dark because we need marriages that actually will inspire people to continue a civilized, loving relationship and also like full lives and families that are thriving. We, we don't need more barbarism, you know, or we don't, you know. And so, yeah, so I appreciate you bringing me on, man. Absolutely, Dan. I can't thank you enough for everything that you do for our community. There's so much more that could be said, you know, just even seeing you, you know, you, you teaching, you know, boxing to the youth sure. at, at, at school, um, you know, bringing up young men and women uh, with, with martial arts. I mean, th this is a man of so many talents and so many gifts, and he's the model of fatherhood and community leadership for our region and i don't say it in, in in any other way than in humility because it's true i've seen it and that is the model 
of of St. Joseph in our community. And I just really appreciate everything that you do, Dan Lawson. Go to Smuggling Hope on Spotify. Go to heartsrenewed.org if you want to work on your marriage. And then finally, is it Catholic? Well, CatholicTherapySolutions.com is for like if people want. That's for uh, locals. Yeah, for locals or if you want a training in your area for uh, or if you need it like a keynote speaking stuff like you they can contact me through there that's right yeah dan works on counseling lecturing keynote speaking and also business consultation yeah is what i've seen on the website yeah i study what's right with all those places right people individuals companies families right so yeah. amen brother well yeah, thank you for thank all the you. great work you do well, i'll try to live up to the good name you gave me and, <laughs> and make sure that everybody prays for me so that i you know i don't become the next scandal of the church <laughs> That's uh, always what it is, right? Well, so. by God's grace, that won't happen. Well, and and it, it takes all of us to build up our community and to support each other. For sure. So thank you again, Dan. And if you enjoyed this content, we have so much more great content coming here on The Rich Dawn. We have priests lined up. We have other community leaders. We have young adults who want to share about their increase in their life of virtue. We have directors of religious education and so many more. So definitely stay tuned. The way to support us right now is really simple. It takes five seconds of your time. Please hit that subscribe button and you could even share it. And, and that's how we're going to utilize those principles of subsidiarity and solidarity to build up and contribute to our community in the way that God would will us to do. So thank you for everything and God bless you. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Smuggling Hope. If you want to maximize the impact of the podcast you just listened to, try to find one thing that you thought was helpful and teach and share it with somebody in your life. When you teach and share what you've learned, it stays with you, and it helps to internalize what we've learned and get that seed to grow. I hope that the seeds of hope continue to grow in your life.